Welcome to the Francisca Show podcast on JewishCoffeeHouse.com, the show where I give a voice to Jewish issues, topics, and people. I'm Francisca, your host. Can I just say I am relieved to be on this side of Yom Kippur and getting ready for the Chag. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider sponsoring an episode or an entire season. This helps the show continue without boring ads that are irrelevant to you. Thank you so much for your continued feedback and support and the discussion in the WhatsApp group. Thank you to all our new admins, and we'll see you in a bit. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Francisca Show, Friends Dance. Today with us, we have a fellow listener as well as friend of mine, Amanda Israel, pediatric sleep consultant. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Before we get started, I'd like to introduce this episode by saying this is a different type of episode and we're doing it as a tool or just food for thought for people or young couples, young families, anyone who's struggling to make yentif plans or plans for the chagim because of the sleep schedules of their little ones. And I know this is being released very close to the chagim and you probably already made your plans, but maybe we will have some tools to help you through your chagim and after so the sleep does not ruin <laughs> your entire experience of the chag. Welcome, Amanda. It's so great to have you here. Thank you so much. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. So my name is Amanda Israel. I live in Lower Marys, Pennsylvania. My husband and I have been here for almost seven years, and we have three kids, all under the age of five. So it's been a few years revolving around sleep schedules for us, at least. I used to work in the nonprofit field, doing nonprofit management in Jewish organizations and at the beginning of COVID, I pivoted to doing pediatric sleep management. I got certified through a program. I also went on to add my postpartum doula certification as well as potty training certification. So I really feel that I'm equipped to help families with young children navigate these extremely chaotic and difficult times, which ultimately it helps your marriage, it helps your parenting, it helps you as a person, you know, individually too. And I happen to also be a Zumba teacher and a lover of your music and your podcast. That's Thank it. you. This topic speaks close to me because we do make our Shabbos plans and our Yentif plans according to, are we going to survive it or are <laughs> we going to enjoy it? And it's a big blessing to have little kids and that's that's what we promote and what we love but sometimes packing into small spaces and everyone being in different spaces different environments on different schedules can really mess with the vibe of the family and the time that's supposed to be so beautiful that you're spending with extended family can become extremely stressful fights and drama can occur and then the association for children or for the parents of the Chagim becomes a traumatic event that they associate with Chagim being bad or not fun or <laughs> let's survive it. So let's dive in. Okay, so there are a couple different things that come into play when we're talking about traveling and hosting and being guest places for all of the holidays, right? Jewish holidays, non-Jewish holidays alike, as well as vacations. All of these things kind of go hand in hand. Something that can be very complicated is that when you're with 
family on these holidays. And as an adult, you have siblings with children. People parent differently. So you will be the person saying, my three-year-old has to go to bed at seven. And over here, your brother's kids are like two and three years old, and he keeps them up till 10 p.m. And you look like the crazy person because your kids are on a very strict schedule, right? So not your brother, by the way, not to insult anybody. <laughs> I don't know your brother. Said my kids are on a strict <laughs> schedule. <laughs> okay. No, but it's, it's the truth. I've, I've always been that person who's like, guys, my kids are going to bed, and I look crazy, but I also get to sit at the meal and enjoy myself. So we've got different families coming together with different values and different schedules. And we also have our own sanity and what we can do to ease the process wherever we are. So the first thing is, if you are going somewhere with other people who have different schedules, it doesn't hurt to talk about it in advance, just to mention before the meal or before the holiday, hey, listen, this is the time we think we're going to be starting the meal. I'll probably put my kids to bed first and then we can start. No one should be caught off guard. You could say, what are you planning on doing with your kids? Just to touch base with your family members, relatives, whoever you're with, to kind of put it out there, let it breathe for a few days so nobody is like annoyed or fighting or throwing a fit about it right at the night of. Can I stop you right there? <laughs> yeah. It's fantastic that everyone's aware, but the kids may decide that when their cousins are not going to sleep and they're supposed to go to sleep, they might have a difference of opinion. Yeah, but you have to talk to your children and lay down the law beforehand. And my kids know that. They know when it's bedtime, I say to them, this is how it's going to be. And that might mean having a little slumber party with their cousins even, saying, guess what? Your cousin's sleeping over at our house. You can all have a sleepover together in your room, but this is the bedtime. And there's ways of incentivizing that. If you listen really well, you'll get a special treat on, you know, on Yentif morning or Shabbos morning or whatever it is. You have to play all the tricks you had in your behavioral parent tool bag to get your kid to do what you need to do to carry on. And by the way, this really changes depending on the holiday, right? Like right now, it's a very different time of year than Pesach. It's so late, right? Seder is so late. Whereas Rosh Hashanah dinner could be a little bit on the earlier side, comparatively speaking. So it, that also plays a role in things. But I just think that that comes down to parenting, like telling your kids, this is how it's going to be. And if you find that that's going to be an issue, Hire a babysitter. If you're going out for a meal and your parent and your children are going to be difficult about what time bedtime is, perhaps they don't have to go. So that's a segue into the other piece. You have options as a parent. You can take your kids places or you cannot take your kids places. The third option is you can also sit it out and not go as well. That's hard, right? Like that's difficult to say that you as a young parent are missing everything because you have young children, you want to be part of those meals and those experiences with all the family and the friends year after year. And there are ways of doing that. So perhaps you offer to host because the craziness that ensues and the aftermath of bedtime issues is just not worth it to travel. So you take the brunt of hosting. Hosting might be easier for you than that. And for some people, the craziness of the bedtime stuff is easier than taking the brunt of hosting. You have to decide what's best for you and just be transparent between your spouse and your in-laws or whoever it is that's asking. Just be honest about it. And that's how you're going to get to the decision of what to do in the first place. We personally don't go out on Friday nights basically ever. And we host all of Sukkot at our house because my kids are all upstairs sleeping. And I'm not hiring babysitters on those days unless it's something extremely important that I really need to leave for. What ages are we talking about? newborns through four to five years old. So let's say you have a six-year-old, it's okay for them to stay up for Manashtana. 
Of course. And that's also going to be dependent on, again, your child's weekday schedule and what they're used to. And, you know, we have this a little bit of um, trial and error in my own family because I have a three-year-old and a four-year-old and my brother has four-year-old twins and I have another three-year-old nephew. And we're all, these are people that I'm with for almost every holiday. The same group of three to five-year-old window is very, very potent for us right now. And we've tried every year. I said every year, Rosh Hashanah, my one-year-old's not coming. My two-year-old's not coming. I'm putting the three-year-old to bed. And my brother and my sister-in-law would say, I think we want to try it. We want to give them the experience. And the next day, it was like, that was a mistake. We tried every year and we saw it happen before our eyes. This year was the first year that my kids really sat for Rosh Hashanah. And I do think, I think we tried keeping them up for Seder too this year and sing Manishtana and it was okay. And then I think immediately after that, my three-year-old was like, I'm tired. Put me to bed. Like that's just a family culture of ours. My kids like to sleep. I know that's not the case in every family because that's a values thing and what you put your values in over the years raising young children. And what do you say to parents who want their little children to be a part of the Simanim on Rosh Hashanah and the Seder on Pesach? And Chinuch is so important. And it's the time they get to show off their little kids to their in-laws and all the songs they know. So number one. Lunch is also a beautiful time to do these things with your children. If you want your children to have like a little model Seder with all the cousins, do lunch or do dinner for the young children and then put them to bed at bedtime and do the adult piece. Another option is ask relatives to come early. Say, we'd love for you to stop by, come over and just spend the afternoon hanging out leading up if you're home, right? If you're home and maybe you're not hosting lunch, they can come over a little earlier and spend time, quality time with your kids and make sure they get that visit in. There's also Holomoed. There's other times to celebrate and be together that may not be so restrictive of time. Let's go to your recommendations. Sure. The travel recommendations apply not only for this, but as well as Yeshiva week, your vacations, all your things. You mean the million times the Jewish day schools are off. (laughs) Correct. And I go into this a lot on my social media, on my TikTok account especially, There are a lot of people, not from people, not even Jewish, who are traveling time zones, going on vacations for whatever, and I always stick to this. Wherever your children are sleeping, try your hardest to replicate their sleep situation wherever you're going. So if your kids are used to a dark room and a sound machine, I recommend going on Amazon today and buying portable blackout shades. They suction cup onto the windows. You put them in your suitcase. Take them before the holiday starts. You put them on the windows and makes the room pitch black. It's great for hotels. It's great for other people's houses who have, don't have young children and they're just not used to it. So the blackout shades, bring your sound machine. If your toddler is on a light that turns different colors, bring the light. Just plug it in wherever you go. These are really basic things and make yourself a little list that you keep on the fridge. It's like our travel list of all the things that might in- involve giving your child comfort somewhere else. That might include making sure you have extra pacifiers. Don't forget their lovies. Bring a few of the books that you read every night. Whatever you do at home, if you can replicate that wherever you're staying, it's going to make your child more comfortable and less likely to run out of the room or to be scared or any of that. So that's the first most important step. What's the next step? Being transparent and having a conversation between you and your spouse. Like You should be on the same page. I say to my husband, even when we're coming home from somewhere really late at night and the kids are asleep in the back seat, 
as we're pulling onto our street, I always say, what's the plan? Like, who's going to carry the kids in? Who's going to put on the pull-up? Who's going to bring in the luggage? Like, you have to have a plan before you get there. And no one makes great decisions when they're put on the spot, or no one makes good decisions, for instance, in the middle of the night when the baby's crying. Having a plan going into your travels is going to always be beneficial to everybody involved. Any tips for time zone? If you're going an hour to two hours away time zone, you're usually fine. Even three hours in the United States, like from California to New York, you're really not going to get so far off schedule. Going from across continents, maybe you're going to Israel or something. My recommendation is jump onto that schedule as fast as you can from the first day with your little one. So when you get there, you use their clock. It looks like it would be nap time. Put them down. Even if it's technically their bedtime or whatever, it will take a few days, but they need to just kind of adapt their circadian rhythm to match the light, the night and day wherever they are. Don't wait to do it. Don't gradually do it. Just jump in. That's the first big thing with that time zones. The second thing with travel is setting realistic expectations. And that, I guess, goes for time zones as well as Chagim or anything. Be kind to yourself and know that things get chaotic. Things aren't going to be as simple when you're not home. And if you set yourself up for that, you will be less stressed and less disappointed in whatever ensues. And I do think that, and now I'm getting to the last thing, which is really, truly prioritize your children's sleep or don't. That's a choice you're going to make. If you're listening to this and up until this point, your children are the best sleepers and you're very proud of yourself. You've sleep trained them. They sleep train themselves, whatever. Don't compromise it. These early years are exhausting and every minute of sleep your children get is necessary for their development and it's necessary for your sanity and your mental health. So if they've done a great job up until now, why rock the boat, right? Just do your best to keep things easy for yourself. This is hard stuff, working with young children, cooking, cleaning, traveling, all the things, running a household, going to work, all on top of it. If you're listening to this and up until now your children are like crazy at bedtime, this isn't going to be the time that you sleep train them. Like just go with the flow. Take your kids, go through the holidays, go through the motions, that's lucky to come you, back, call and then me. come back and call me. And I, by the way, I don't work with clients when they're going to tell me they're going away. When I work with a new client for sleep or potty training, if they are going away on any vacation in the next three to four weeks of our start date, I say, why don't we start when you come back? It's not worth it. Kids need consistency to thrive. I think this is a value that's a little bit underplayed in the from community too. I do. I think that the holidays mess us up and they... And they come every couple of months. They're so or- frequent. It's hard. It's hard. When you fear Hashem and you really want to follow everything and you want to be there for everything and you want to do it all right. I mean, this is the conversation about mothers, but Yom Kippur, like feeling guilty that we're not making it to shul or feeling guilty that we can't fully fast if we're nursing or whatever it is to feel guilty that you may have to say to your in-laws, we just can't come this year. Like God willing, there will be next year and even more years after that. These are really hard times and hard decisions for parents with young children. And we have to just do what's best for us. And sometimes that means having a conversation with Hashem and saying, I'm going to do my best, but like, this is what we need to do this year. Let me position the conversation a little differently. If there was an ideal time to go away or pull something like this off, 
What ages would you recommend for that? I would say once your child is on one nap or no nap begins the best time. Because when you have a two or three nap schedule with a six month old, they're like all over the place. And it's just really hard. Once your child is a year to two years old, and you know you can anticipate my kid only takes one nap. It could be at 11 a.m. It could be at 1 p.m. It's a little more flexible. That's a good time to maybe take those trips. What about newborn stage? So newborn, I guess, is similar to that because they're on you all the time. And that's really just the first one or two months. By three to four months, even newborns kind of have a semblance of a routine and a schedule. My baby is 11 weeks and she's on a schedule. I am figuring out what to do this weekend. Mozi Shabbos, I am my brother's 40th birthday and I have a baby and I have to go to that. I'm juggling. What am I going to do? She goes to bed at 730 now. Some babies are little, but they still already have some routine. Routine. Yeah. Routine yeah. is good for everybody, though. Okay. Now, for anyone who might be listening and thinking, eh, you know, tired kids or what's so bad about kids not going to sleep and then being a mess next day. First, let's start by painting a picture of what does it look like for those who are either the youngest in their families and their oldest still didn't start having children and they haven't been around little uh, unrested (laughs) children and their parents, their respective parents. Have you ever seen a child acting like a psychopath at bedtime? (laughs) That is definition. They don't know any child of any age acting crazy. They're running in circles. They're really loud. They're falling all over the place. They're acting drunk, basically. That is textbook overtired child. When children and adults, but mostly children, when children are overtired, their cortisol goes through the roof. That's their fight or flight hormone. They're out of the window of melatonin naturally kicking in. And let's not even talk about melatonin. It's another podcast for some people on another day. (laughs) When your cortisol is going up through the roof, it makes you act so difficult. Now, your child might be laughing and being silly, but they cannot regulate. They are just so past the point of exhaustion that they're out of control. And when our cortisol is really high, it makes it hard to fall asleep. It makes it hard to stay asleep, which means somebody's going to be ending up in your bed in the middle of the night. It makes it hard to go back to sleep. So now they're up and they're in your room in the middle of the night. You say, go back to bed. And they're like, they can't fall asleep. It's terrible. And it takes a few days to recover from this overtiredness. Some people just live in this this cycle of overtired children, exhaustion, never ending because... Shabbos to Shabbos. Yeah. It's like every week, every week. And people say to me, a lot of from clients are worried. We have to host Shabbos. We have to go Friday night. We have to go out. We have to go out. We have to go out. I'm like, okay. So this isn't... For you then, you have to decide. If you're a Kirov rabbi that just hosts every Friday night, then great. You're home every night, every Friday. But not everybody does that. There are repercussions to it. Also, just creating bad habits. Then the kids see, well, we did it when we were at Safdie's house. We did blah, 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 blah. When we were at Zadie's house, we were allowed to stay up and eat candy and do this and do that. Like these, it's okay once in a blue moon with a child who's old enough to understand that this is a special thing. But when you're dealing with between one and three years old, What children do, they think is now Bible. They think that this can be every time. And it's hard for them to understand that what does it mean to have something special one time? They don't get that. If they sleep in your bed tonight, they're going to want to sleep in your bed tomorrow night. A 10-year-old, you might be able to say, this is a one-night thing. You're sleeping in our room. But not to a two-year-old. Now they're comfortable. Now they want to be there all the time. So that goes back to the 
replicating your environment. If your child sleeps in the crib at home, bring the pack and play. If they sleep in a bed, make sure they're in a bed. Like, let's try to keep things as similar and normal as possible for kids. Anything else we need to cover here? It's just a really hard time. And I I understand it because I'm living through it. And I work with people every day who are going through it. All I could say is it's the unpopular opinion to put your kids to bed early. But pediatricians and doctors all over will tell you that sleep begets sleep. So the more a child sleeps, the better they sleep. And early bedtimes are helpful. And I know that doesn't always coincide with candlelighting. But have those transparent conversations and decide what's best for your family. Do not put other people's plans in charge and in front of your own. Any closing remarks in how to deal with parents and in-laws who are very pushy about having you, let's say you either live in a two-bedroom and you cannot host everybody, or your parents or in-laws want to host everyone and have their own commitments, or are rabbis of their own shuls and they can't leave. Be put up in someone's home who has the space for you and say, this is it. If we're coming, we need to have these requirements. If we're staying with in your neighborhood, please find us a two-bedroom that we could stay in. Like If they don't have enough space and they want people sleeping on the couch, it's not going to work. I can't tell people how to... If they, if they can't come to you, so you have to go there, how are you going to go to a Friday night meal if your kids are sleeping? I would hire a sitter to be at your house, a daddy of some sort. To be there for the few hours, that's probably the easiest thing to do. There are people who will take their kids and put them down and then transfer them and take them home. That's also fine. Like, you can take your children. If they can fall asleep. In. If they can. If they can fall asleep somewhere else, again, you still have to have the pack and play set up and do all the things. And if your child's a child that transfers well, then fine. But if they're going to wake up 40,000 times because you moved them, it's just not worth it. It's a very unpopular opinion. I, I miss out on a lot of stuff, but Hashem's going to reward me later and let me go to everything I want to when my kids are older. I think that's the title <laughs> of the episode. It's worth it. <laughs> it's worth it. Sleep is, is life. Is there anything you've suffered socially because of your rigid schedule routines for your children, besides for missing things? <laughs> Just the scrutiny, like hearing from relatives who are like, well, my kid goes to bed at 10 and then I have to hear about it. And I've kind of, in the beginning, when we all started having kids, I looked bad because my kids went to bed at 6 p.m. and they thought I was really crazy. But my kids are the best sleepers in the whole family. So, except for my nephews who I sleep train. Like, it's hard. It's hard to be the only one who you sat, you look like a crazy person. That's a challenge. But just know that you always, in parenting, not just with sleep, you have to do what's best for your child picking the right school for them, even if it's not where their friends go, feeding them healthy, nutritious foods, even if all the other kids are eating candy and you say, we don't, we, we don't eat that type of candy. Like These are hard decisions that we have to make. You just have to be really confident. I always tell parents, fake it till you make it because your kids can tell. If you're not confident in your decisions, fake it and pretend you're confident because they will sense if you're not and they will know if you're not, at least if you're faking it. You will learn to be a confident parent in your decisions, by pretending at least. Our kids need to see that the things you're telling them are steadfast and for a reason. They're smart. They need to know that we are doing what's best for them. That can be in contradiction of itself because kids can see you through your lies. <laughs> so you have yeah, to be I guess I guess if they're like if they're like seven years old, but when you tell your 
three-year-old that you're out of pizza sauce because you simply don't want to make pizzas that night. Like, they don't know if you're really out of – they don't know if you want food shopping today, (laughs) right? That's what I did yesterday. I was like, we don't have any. I mean, like, that's okay. These are little things. It's Yeah, you have to be more careful with bigger kids, of course. And I'm not telling you to outright lie to your kids, but just – Get, tell yourself, I am confident. Set boundaries. Set yes, boundaries. Boundaries for sure. Boundaries for sure. And just to say, I can do this. Like, we can do hard things. Parenting is hard, which is why we all need the sleep to function and get through it. For somebody who doesn't have little kids, let's say you are the parent or the grandparent, what are some ways you can support your children through this time where they may be giving up spending Antif with you? Or maybe you're disappointed that your grandkids won't be. Dipping the apple in the honey at the proper time. And if you're someone who can offer to come stay with your children and grandchildren and you can bring some of the food or you can, you know, stay at a neighbor's and be close by to them and not put the pressure on them to pick up and leave their daily life, it's a lot easier, perhaps, for you to go to them. That's nice. I think it's really nice and people like an in-law will offer to pay for a babysitter you know, just to say, listen, we understand if if we'd really love for you to be there. We're disappointed the kids can't come. But if you could come, it would still mean a lot to us. What if we help you get a babysitter? That might help too. And remember, it's just a season. It's just a time. And it will pass. What about removing pressure on spending time with you? For example, <laughs> accepting. <laughs> no, that's not going to work. I have to think about it. I don't know. Like my mother and my mother-in-law both live so close that like they can come anytime. We could see them anytime. I don't know what it's like to like not be able to be with family on these holidays. Well, something to think about because my parents live across the ocean. My in-laws live a few hour drive away. So that that is a consideration for every Chag and every Shabbos we'd want to go. Yeah. It is hard. I feel like after you do it, like we... We let it get the best of us. We like pack up all the stuff. The car is packed to the brim. The kids are in their car seats. Everyone's buckled up. You go. And when you get home, you really think to yourself, was it worth all the pressure, the fuss, the chaos? Like, was it worth it? I'd like to believe it is worth it because being together with family is the most important thing in the world. But sometimes it's like, at what cost? At what cost does it take for us to do those things? Like, knocking off our whole schedule. We get home really late and we've got boatloads of laundry and cleanup and we have to kind of undo the whole packing and undo it all. And a lot of this stuff is difficult when you're working and it's exhausting. So, well, you know, somebody like, <laughs> yeah, so, somebody like you're hosting for sure, but also you could stay home and not host, by the way. You could say with your husband, this is the year that I think we should do second night Rosh Hashanah, just the two of us. This is the year I think maybe we don't need to host every meal in the sukkah. That's Okay to say. And I get that that's really hard because my husband comes from a family where everybody was together for every holiday. And I had a smaller family that was basically just my immediate family on a lot of holidays. And we have to meet in the middle. And if he could be with his cousins every holiday, he would. But they're all married with kids now too. And nobody can travel so far to all be together every single time. So this is the evolution of family and us growing up and having children and grandchildren, everyone's going and gets to a new stage of their life. And we kind of have to just move with it and be fluid with it to help each other, I think. Thank you so much, Amanda, for this tutorial. Where can people find you? My website is lullabymagic.com. 
and on Instagram, Lullaby Magic Sleep Consulting, all one long phrase. And I would love to speak to anybody if you message me and let me know that you found me through the podcast. Definitely all ears. Thanks for sticking around until the end. Would you like to know what's next? Well, join the WhatsApp discussion group. The link is in the show notes. Also, I will be recruiting guests for various new topics. So make sure you're following me on Facebook or on Instagram or even on TikTok. This is where I remind you that we are a Jewish Coffeehouse Network podcast. You may enjoy other podcasts such as Intimate Judaism, An Orthodox Conundrum, Chochmat Nashim, and Let My People Eat. So go check them out and subscribe to those shows. We will be taking a break over Chag, so I will see you after Simchat Torah. Chag Sameach! <laughs>